this program. Discretion is advised. Uh, Barbara, you go to Barbara's Beauty Bar? You're so beautiful. Bob, you're beautiful. I go to Barbara's on. How'd you know? Uh, I just thought maybe because you're so beautiful, maybe you go to Barbara's on Beauty Bar. Bob, I do. I do go to Barbara's on Beauty Bar. You're beautiful too, Bob. Thank you. I don't go to Bob. Bob, 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 Barbara. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Art Star Scene Radio on Radio Free Brooklyn. I am Face Boy. I am Face Girl. With us in the studio is Porno Jim. Hey, everybody. Yeah. Too much. I want to get right into it. I want to get right into it. So you like to watch solved mystery shows, not unsolved mysteries. It's my newest thing. Decades later, specifically. Okay. Um, I like the pacing of, and it's going to go unsolved. And you're like, I think it was this. Um, and then they're like, and it was this. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> um, rather than, and we don't know what happened. And I'm like, Fuck this. Fuck everyone. Why the <laughs> fuck did I just watch this? Now I have this sense of urgency to solve this fucking thing and I don't have time because I'm going to go through like I'm going to go down a rabbit hole of other things. Yeah, I've, I've never watched the unsolved mystery shows. They had no appeal to me whatsoever. No. I like watching because sur- it's just edging. But go on. I like watching survival shows like Naked and Afraid or Survivor where they're all like really, really hungry. And I'm like sitting back eating like fucking cheesy popcorn. I like how that's called a survival show where I feel like it should just be called a putting people in unnecessary harm show. Like why? Well, I've watched some of it. I love it. I don't get it. Like I I liked it. it better when it was just a title and I could make up what it might be. I was like, oh, naked and afraid. I'm into this. Then I see it and I'm like, this is terrible. These people are killing animals and dying. Almost. Almost. But not not quite yet. How is it that nobody's gotten like seriously? I mean, people pass out sometimes and people are medically evacuated, but no one's been eaten by a leopard. Have they found leopards? Yeah, there have been times when like there's been fucking big ass wild animals like in their campground area, night mm. after night. Yeah, there's definitely not enough of the animals winning on that show. <laughs> because the animals are truly the naked ones. They, and are, they are always naked. They're the ones that should be the most afraid, because mm-hmm. the most dangerous thing is on their turf. It's man. Mm-hmm. So I think the show would be better if the naked animals ate the naked people. Porno Jim. Uh, Who does not watch reality television. I don't recommend it. Pornography is reality television's originator. And <laughs> so so I, I got in on the ground floor before the real world, before Survivor, there was Seymour Butts. There, there was Buttman. And their lives were recorded directly onto camera. And then they had sex with their girlfriends and other people they hired. And then they put it out there directly without, I mean, it was edited. It was as all of the stuff you're saying, like, why weren't these people mauled? Because there are a huge number of people with guns around them at all times, making sure that everything's exactly the way they want it. And they only show you the pieces that work. Because as you know, since you know how editing works, none of it is real. 
mm. in the slightest bit. It is literally on a soundstage that looks like the real world, only it is the real world, but it's recreated into a soundstage by all the lights and equipment and everything like that. So it's not real anymore. True. When I porn like is happening, the burn marks are. Go on. Oh, I'm not saying some of these people don't suffer. They do. They're really being paid to suffer, and that's what it is. Well, I guess in this case, they don't actually get paid unless they win. So they're suffering for everyone's enjoyment and for ABC and NBC for nothing, except for what fame Cred. and credit and it's actual credit. They credits. score them survival credit. Right, but do they in the end take them home and feed their family with them? Only if they win. Only if they not win, if and they and, almost die. and most of them, of course, almost die and do not win. And, and that's the whole thing of game. And that's why it's really just a new kind of sports. It's, but sports is taking human behavior and human bodies and pushing it to the limits to do something spectacular and amazing, right? That's, that's the whole idea of sports. And the competition hones those skills. And we just needed other things to do beyond football and basketball. So we decided we would go naked and afraid into places where there were animals that didn't want to you know, eat what we need us. And so, so that's another sport. And you like that sport, Facebook. I think that that's very good. It's as good as <laughs> watching somebody play Fortnite for three hours and make a million dollars, right? I mean, it's all a sport. Everybody likes what they like. I like watching people fuck. That's my thing. So, yeah. My mom has a question for you. Really? Yes. Oh, I'm excited. She she wants to know, what is it that makes someone a a pornography expert? I have heard this before. Because people very often when they say, uh, how do you do? And I say, hi, my name is Jim. People call me Porno Jim. They all go, why do people call you Porno Jim? And so I, of course, have... You know, depending on who's asking the question, I have an answer. So, uh, and for your mother, who have I, have I met your mother? I may have met your mother. Because um, I've known Faceboy for an enormous amount of time. She did used to come to the open mics right. every now and then. But, uh, but I was, so I met you in, I guess, 98, 97, 99, oh, somewhere in there. When I was, I still lived in New Jersey and I was not, I had just become Porno Jim. That became my nickname, but not my profession. It was just a thing I did because I shot a lot of pornography for magazines and the internet and stuff, the early internet. Um, and, uh, uh, and then I shot for galleries. I, shot, I was a photographer of, of some you know, artistic ability and uh, of naked people. Yeah. And so, uh, so that got me this nickname of Porno Jim because they had a lot of friends named Jim, but only one who made porn. And so that became my nickname. And then I told, you see, this is what happened. I told my friends this and they giggled exactly like that. And I said, oh, I'm going to keep that one. So that became uh, my nickname, which I didn't have, I haven't had that many nicknames. That's the one I've had for the longest. I don't know what the other gyms are in this group. Oh, there was newspaper gym and there was college gym and there was some other, <laughs> boring yes. people. I don't even know if this, you know, and I'm not friends with this guy now these days because he, he moved to LA and, and I was, we stopped being friends because it was long and far, but our lives changed. But uh, he is still credited as far as I'm concerned with that. But when I tell the story of it, of how someone because what happened was they had had roommates and the roommates had to know which gym was calling and so they would do that right and so i actually had my nickname for six months before i knew about it but then once (laughs) one day one of the roommates accidentally said hey hey bill porno jim's on the phone (laughs) and i and i said hey hey, why'd he call why'd he call you me porno jim and he goes oh oh, you heard that huh um So yeah, we've been, we've been calling you that for a while now. And so I told everybody it became my nickname. And that worked because I was, you know, I don't, as you would guess, you know, people can't see because I don't look like a porno gym. I'm a very normal American Midwestern kind of New Jerseyan person. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Oh, maybe say. I do now. <laughs> you've, I, you've become I, it. But I didn't when you met me. But I have certainly lived into it. I have lived the porno gym lifestyle as much as you could imagine that being possible on my economic <laughs> status. So, I mean, I'm telling you, it has paid off in every possible way. Mostly because I always came up as a person who thought he was a weirdo. My whole life, everyone told me I was a weirdo and I was a weirdo. Right? But now when I tell people I'm a porno gym person, they don't have to decide if I'm a weirdo. It's very clear where I stand on the weird scale. 
scale. Oh, it's branded weird. I get it. You see what I'm saying? So now when I meet people and they go, oh, how should I react to this guy? I go, oh, I'm Porno Jim. They go, oh, I know exactly how to react to that guy, right? And it works out very nicely for my sense. And it allows people who would, you know, decide whether they like me or they're fans of mine or want to date me or something, whether or not I would be okay. Because a lot of people wouldn't date someone who they had to tell their mom was Porno Jim in his free time. And I want those people to not date me right away. Not, not six days in. I want them to know right away that that's not a good idea. So I want that to be up front. So, you know, because, uh, I mean, your name is Faceboy. A lot of people would instantly go, oh, that man has uh, decided who he's going to be. He's not just going with the flow of the universe. And so. <laughs> no, it started as a taunt. I understand. Brother. And you yeah. embraced it. And you went Eventually, the other way with it. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not saying, you know. So when I was a child, I was five years old. I was in kindergarten. They, my last name is, is Graham. And so I would be called Graham Cracker. And when I was five, this made me so upset, like, like mm-hmm. unbelievably upset. And so it doesn't matter what anyone calls anyone, because that was nothing. I should have gone, oh, that was nothing, right? Why didn't my parents tell me that was nothing? I don't understand. I was very upset about it at the time. And now I look at it, I go like, oh, just a few years later, they started using curse words and real names and stuff. It got really much nastier by seven or eight or nine, right? But at five, I was so upset by Graham Cracker. And, and I was like, oh, that's, and everyone else says their own you know, things for whatever it is. And I think it's necessary that everyone realize that all names like that are really evil. There's no, there's no advantage to it. There's nothing good about it. It's just terrible. I went to the same school as uh, my my siblings uh and we didn't grow up with a lot of money so i got nicknamed hand-me-down hall Ooh. and then my hand-me-downs i started growing out of so i was hand-me-down high water hall Ooh. not even hulk <laughs> no. like hand-me-down hulk hall no no uh-huh. you have to be really like you know building it up yeah. in there so. sorry so the reason I'm a porn expert is because I have a porn education that is second to none. I have read most of the books that are about actual porn philosophy and porn theory and porn exactly examples. I've seen a lot of the science about it online and not online. I have lived the through the entire porn. Well, they, they, there are people who have done or who are pornologists who have PhDs in porn studies. And these people have done work on figuring out what porn has done to people and where it came from and what it's about and what the different themes are and all the things that other academics do about. So other like stuff. the psychological stuff, not the mechanics. Mechanics of squirting. Uh, well, actually, the weird thing about uh, that is to me is that, as you may know, they only re- figured out the actual physical size and shape of the clitoris in 1998. Because up until then, it was a very tiny little nubby thing that was about a quarter inch long outside of you. And that's not it. It's actually much longer. And it goes all the way around your uterus and does all this stuff. That's your clitoris. But they never, ever checked in the last 400 years of doing medical things no to need. see that. Because you don't worry about it because it's women who would know, right? And so only recently have they figured this out. And one of the reasons they figured this out is because they were required to actually, at some point, by some kind of pressure, do some study about squirting. And it led to them having to figure out why that thing did this thing to figure out where the bladder really was. And then they did what I assume was either an X-ray or a CAT scan or whatever they do to see non-bony things. And they saw this other structure there. And then they go, oh, let's, I assume, cut open a dead person and see what's there and then see what's actually working. And then they could tell. And it only it was took all these women's studies groups to talk to the biology department to literally get them to talk about this. But ultimately, it's because of Seymour Butts, because he brought squirting to us. Seymour Butts did. Uh, and his girlfriend's. But Seymour Buss was actually doing the finger work, so I guess it's partly him. Can't take him out of the equation. But uh, And he would do videos and instructions for you know the viewer because they could learn how to do squirting as well. And so eventually everybody does. You, you get people to squirt. I'm sure you've squirted from time to time, right? 
Seymour Butts had a reality show, right? He certainly did. He became so big that at the end of his career, as he was going through his fourth girlfriend, who's his porn star star, uh, would then actually get a four-year reality show about his life and his estranged son with one of the ex-porn star girls. And then he was then having that become a thing. Four years, him and his cousins who ran the warehouse and the whole kind of lifestyle, you know, realizing. And it was fine for what it was. I mean, only had moments of semi-nudity. It was not really about that. It was mostly about him and his business and how it was to be Seymour Butts all the time with his new, well, I guess, what girlfriend or wife at the time. And uh, yeah, it was they, a good show. They, they made it like this is a normal guy and this is his job. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't even know if they even mentioned anal. Like it was just nice. And every once in a while they'd say something about it to their mom or their dad or whatever. And they'd be like kind of shocked a little bit, you know. So, but mm-hmm. again, they weren't really shocked. They'd been in this for 20 years at that point. So obviously it wasn't a big surprise to mom that he did this because it was 20 years in by the time I'd seen him on TV. So I thought that was a very other, really not real part of this reality real thing. I didn't, I don't buy these things. I, I, I just, I think we've all been raised on television. Television is racist. We're not even connected as much to the printed word or the spoken word as we are to television. And because of that, we actually deal with things in a story form, not just in reality form. We don't just see it and then decide on it. we got to believe, how does that work? What would that mean? Why did that happen? What could else do they mean? Oh, and so you start adding these stories together, and that's caused all of our world to become story-driven, right? We have, we have a, a television president who is acting out in television sense. He decides how to tell us the news based on whether it's going to be good for the ratings. I mean, he's a television guy. And I think that's why he's uh, so so difficult to, to deal with because he's achieved this next level of, of oneness with television that we all know is not healthy, but we're all striving towards. I had a friend who was uh, just really not well in terms of uh, alcohol abuse. And, um, and someone had mentioned the show Intervention. And I knew someone who had worked on Intervention. And I got in touch with them and they said, do not, no matter how fucked up this person is, do not get them involved with the show intervention oh yes i'm sure that's good advice Mm -hmm. yeah and i tell most people not to become porn stars because in general it's not for everybody it's a difficult job and you should really really want to do that to do that so um so yeah so i've had some people in life you know come to me and go i'm i'm slutty i like to do kind of fun things how could i do this i go "Uh, i can't do this i mean i'm telling you the number one thing you got to think of is would i be okay with the fact that my mother who will find out will love me just a little less just a little less <laughs> than, than you were. Did, were you the favorite of amongst your siblings? No, no you're not. No, you're not your favorite. You, they love you, but you're not the favorite anymore. Like, these are the kind of things you can lose just by being the board star, right? So um, that didn't happen in my family because I was not the favorite to start. So it worked out fine for me. Um, so uh, to answer your mom's question, um, I was very into pornography very early on. I started looking at pornography when I was 13. I got the uh, Playboy and Penthouse every month when I was 13, 14, 15, 16. I would go to the store. And because I looked so young, they would actually give it to me, assuming I was getting it from my dad. Uh, who was clearly just out in the in the car or whatever, you know, and uh, and they did not stop me from buying it uh, once, I think, or twice in in six years. They stopped where, me from buying. Where did you grow up? In the middle of New Jersey. These were Seven Elevens and uh, yeah, and, New York, New Jersey. They didn't fucking care back right, then. Right. I, I, I at thirteen, I could buy cigarettes. I could buy booze. I could buy porn. I could buy right. anything. No one fucking cared back then. That's right. why I'm a goddamn mess. <laughs> 
I and credit I it with my okay. happiness. You can do it as a negative thing if you like. But I uh, was then able to get other stuff, as you find in the street. And, and uh, I lived in the woods and near the woods. And so there's a lot of hunting going on behind my house, a mile or so behind. And they would leave pornography behind the hunters when they were done sitting there for five hours waiting for the deer to walk by because they would masturbate. And so they leave a lot of stuff. And some of the stuff they left was <laughs> much, much dirtier than the stuff that you would get uh, at in Playhouse or Playboy. And so I got a reading in, in all the classics of the dirty stuff you could read. And then when I was 19, I got a job in the very first video store in New Jersey so that I could then watch all the classic porn movies as they were released on VHS. And so that guy who owned that store also owned one of the uh, porn companies that put out the porn that he sold. And he sold it cheaper than everybody else because it was his own stuff. And so he sold a lot. So I got to see all the classics in 1980, 81, 82, 83, and all the stuff that happened earlier, which was Deep Throat and you know Beyond the Green Door and stuff. And then after that, Jersey is what we have to thank for essentially, right? You said that he did he produce like well he he, he he owned uh, the Pussycat Theater on 49th and Broadway, and they shot they showed the porn in the upstairs, and they shot a lot of it in the basement, and obviously in around the country. And then they would then you know put it in all the chains around the country. That at the time in the seventies there was chains of uh, porn theaters. Mafia guy. Everything in that time was mafia. Uh, he wasn't a mafia guy, but he was uh, like was, he was in the, he had to pay uh, whoever he was Jewish, and so there was some other kind of thing that was going on that allowed him to be part of or not part of whatever part. It was uptown and downtown. It was all very complicated, and I'm not an expert on it. But the uh, but the fact is that he at that point would have to have dealt with that like deep throat is very famously you know only made because it was given ten thousand dollars by the Pereno brothers who were famous monsters at the time and they made lots and lots of money off of this and that was part of the whole thing because the whole thing was that it was porn so that was evil but it would be kind of being bad for the society in some way if that if you look at it that way it was also funded by mob money so it was clearly not funded from a good place now of course porn is mostly done by non-mob situations and so that in that way makes it a little less uh you know corrupt to start with you know when did the mafia lose control of pornography? Uh, I think mostly when it went to L.A. Um, when it was mostly in New York and San Francisco, they had more control. When it moved to L.A., they, they tried to do it, but for whatever reason, it, uh, it went. I'm not saying that we're not involved in it. I'm not saying they didn't put up a lot of the seed money for some of the many companies that were then. But they, uh, they, they lost power. I'm sure there's also reasons from the law enforcement. I'm sure some of the people who were doing that were put in jail, and so it became more difficult for them to do it, and they decided to make more money selling drugs or whatever else instead. But the, uh, uh, the I mean, what, it, what parts of New York's industries are less mob riven now many of them you yes. know and that's many, happened for many, many reasons many. Yep. some of them because of you know, law enforcement some of them because the culture changed you know a lot of different things so so i don't know for sure exactly what the difference was for the porn industry but it did change a lot and so then i became it was you know obviously a very big companies that were doing it like regular kind of hollywood studio kind of things and now it's the opposite it's all diverse right it's almost everybody in their own individual bedrooms making porn it's all models and you know people just doing webcams and only fans and uh, model vids and all that stuff and that's really where all the money is for individual porn stars rather than working for uh, Vivid or, or the Wicked or those companies. Uh, some of those companies still exist. Uh, Evil Angel is still a big company and there's a few others. And the other companies that are, owned, that are out there are mostly owned by one or two other big umbrella companies. You know, The company that owns Pornhub, which is called MindGeek, owns about 50% of all the production companies that are left in the you know, explicit porn industry because uh, they just took everything over when they knocked the industry away because everybody was you know poor. What kind of money 
is like Pornhub making? See, I was talking to somebody a few years ago. I was talking to Joanna Angel, who's a porn star. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to her about some stuff, and she has her own company. She's not just a porn star. She owns Burning She's Angel Industries. She's awesome. She's awesome. She's the most amazing person. But she was talking to me about how much money she makes. I love that you introduced me to her sometimes. Oh, yeah, I did. That. That's wonderful. Yeah, so she's, uh, she's right. I talked to her every you know, couple of years. I, I talked about something here and there. She's very nice. Um, but she because uh, um, so she had a company. I was like, so I'm, I was trying to find out what the number was that actually the porn industry produced because the numbers that are put in the press are all made up. There's no basis for those numbers. There was a guess done by AVN magazine in like 1986 that they thought it was like $4 billion. Right. And they then said maybe it was $10 billion. Everybody said it was $10 billion. And then they extrapolated for the world. And now you hear all these numbers like the world is a hundred and hundred and fifty billion dollar industry is pornography. And you know that's not true because you don't know anybody who's paying for porn enough for right. it to be I valued. I have never paid. Right. So, well, not never. Since right. since the since it became free, I've never paid. Right. And I uh, I believe everybody should pay if they watch porn a lot, and I watch porn a lot. So what I do is I make sure I spend about $200 a year on porn. I pay to individual girls. I buy some individual videos. I spend some money on some memberships. I make sure every year I spend a couple hundred dollars on that. But that's just a little tiny bit of the amount of porn that I watch free from Pornhub and X Videos and X Hamster and spank bang and all those places um and uh, so i feel that it's just something you should give back but at the same time it's free so if you're poor spend money on this is weird right but people who have money at, who could be spending on whatever this is part of their entertainment they do spend 40 or 80 dollars a month on memberships or they do go and buy individual movies from individual stars they like and stuff and that's actually making it a real thing so i would say that the yeah, model- I, I do have one former friend who who's Spends money on porn, a, a significant amount. Right. And, and it's, and you, you know, eventually that'll work out that they'll figure out how to identify individual things individually. And then you can place value on each thing. And then everything will cost a dollar or a dime or whatever it is. And then you just go and accumulate costs each way. But that's, you know, that's, that's another but time. But all of, the stuff that this person pays stage. money for, I can find the exact same shit for free. Is it personalized though? Right. But, but, but I buy Netflix. And I buy uh, um, uh, Hulu, right? And I get to watch television shows that I can download five minutes after they air for free on BitTorrent. But I've decided to be within the real economy. On what? BitTorrent? BitTorrent. (laughs) It's this thing they used to have in the 90s. It's this thing. You'd go and go up there and you can just download all this stuff. Remember Napster? It's Napster. Does it still exist? No. But that's what BitTorrent is. That's what he was like, all right, let me hear the hot tip. I'm like, I want to hear it too. Where can we get this stuff? BitTorrent? BitTorrent's been all the time. BitTorrent was the whole thing that was decided over lots of cases. Like, uh, uh, was it uh, Metallica was suing? uh, Napster, right? Well, they sued Napster, but then other people were suing the Pirate Bay. And that was the other big one that's still Pirate Bay still around. Um, but I don't have to do that anymore because now it comes to me for only like 10 bucks a month. I can have all the movies and TV I want. So that's, that's a fair price for that. That's before I would have had to pay for cable, which was $200 a month and it wasn't a fair price. So, so it's a matter about this. So for porn, it's the same thing. It's fair for it to cost something, but it has to be what's well, worth it. So everybody has to go like, all right, it's worth it. I have to pay like a buck or three or six or whatever it is. And so eventually that'll happen. But uh, for the moment, people are, you know, doing it enough that there is an industry and people are, you know, getting paid for it. And they do sell millions of dollars worth of DVDs every year, but no one's a billionaire. You know what I'm saying? Even MindGeek, and this is what you answered your question, I found out from some things I read on uh, on some uh, you know, Bloomberg.com kind of things uh, that MindGeek filed some, because they're, living, they're in Canada, and they filed their taxes and stuff, and they showed a profit of uh, of basically the equivalent of $850, 850 million. Right? What, what's MindGeek? MindGeek is the company the that owns Pornhub. 
okay. and, and owns Reality Kings and uh, um, uh, the Digital Playground and, and seven or eight other companies that make the porn that's out there. And uh, so they uh, are the biggest company. They're like, let's say, 40 or 50 percent of the whole industry. And they made uh, 800 or something like that, $800 million over the course of all their things. Right. So if the biggest company in the whole industry is not a billion dollar company, then if you take all the other ones out there, right, and they're not really close to that one, they're all much, much smaller, then how many more billions could there be, right? And so I would say that if you add in the real other stuff that used to be added in there, which is strip clubs, which is like a billion dollars in strip clubs, right? And then you add in um, DVD sales, which is probably, you know, like $400 million now. You can add the whole thing together. I think you could probably come up with about five, maybe $7 billion in the porn industry in the, in the country. And that's a normal amount of money, but that's not that much money. You know what I'm saying? You know, the, 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 the New York Giants are worth more than that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's not that much money. You know, and many buildings in New York are worth more than that. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's not, it's not that much money. So, so it's just a matter of what you consider a lot of money, right? And the idea that it's a $100 billion industry is used by anti-porn people to say that it has a lot of power and it causes a lot of corruption. But it has no money. There's almost no corruption. I may be in California, but there's no corruption in the rest of the country about porn industry. There's no way to use the porn industry to get it. Even uh, Larry Flint's money, when he gives it as you know, donations to candidates, gets returned. You know, there's no way to interact with the real world from the porn side. So That's my belief. But because I have these beliefs, that's why I'm a porn expert. Because I spend enough time watching and looking and thinking about porn beyond just the... Like, you've watched as much porn as me, perhaps. But Probably. The, and I'm not saying you're not a thoughtful person, but you have decided to spend less than all of your time thinking about this. And so, <laughs> yes. so, so I have, you know, way more time thinking about it. And so I've come up with ideas. Maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. But there aren't a lot of other people coming up with competing ideas who aren't Christian anti-porn people. And so those people who I would have to say are the, on the opposite end of me, maybe the, the uh, you know, the competition in the way of this and they're philosophy. all watching porn too well, of course they are um and they're the hunters watching the like, like what was the weird hunter porn because those are the christians mm-hmm. by the way yeah they're watching the weirdest fucking yeah. porn the stuff you were finding in the woods well yeah those were beeline dirty books that you could buy at bookstores in 42nd street at the time and then when i was 18 19 i went to the bookstores and i bought some books and i got to read them where they weren't all you know rained on because that's the thing if it rained it wasn't very good to get the porn anymore that wasn't rain <laughs> <laughs> So, um, and there was mayonnaise all over it. (laughs) Oh, I ate it. So, uh, so the other thing, of course, is that uh, you know, you and I, Faceboy, have had lots of uh, uh, sex in our lives, but a lot of people who watch as much porn as us. What? Do not. They they wind up being people who just masturbate and they don't have a lot of outside interaction with human beings, and so that is the uh, you know cliche is that if you masturbate a lot, then you're not getting laid. If you're getting laid, then you wouldn't masturbate a lot. But, but I can tell you, I've masturbated all the time, almost every day. And I've had <laughs> sex with lots and lots of people as much as I possibly can throughout my life. And so it doesn't mean that one or the other has to take precedence. It's not like one is taking place or the other. Although I don't have, I don't masturbate the day before I have a date. So I have extra, you know, because you, you don't want to lose. Your, your mojo can be built, but can also be, you know, suppressed. And so you got to decide how and when to use your mojo and make it happen. I jack right before a date. They're not getting the easy one. You jack during the date. <laughs> well, it is true if you masturbate most of the time in your life that eventually it will be incorporated into your partner sex as well because it's just, it works really efficiently. <laughs> what? I'm just laughing at my own. <laughs> 
so here's the thing though but i guess i, I did you know make sure that i i think i answered the question as to why i'm a porn expert because i've watched all the porn i've had a real experience so i can actually compare it to the real world and then from there i made all these theories about how it works out so and then i put in my name and now most of the things that people don't like about porn you know they don't like about me so i've, I've adopted it as a, as a part of my being <laughs> um but i'm doing this new show which i'm writing which we're I gonna to, we're gonna get to that okay. uh, uh, very soon. Okay. Um, but first, I uh, want to read you my favorite headline of the week, and we're gonna get a song from Catherine. Oh sure. Do a little promo stuff, and then we're gonna hear about the Porno Gym show. Here's oh. the here's the headline that I really liked this week: Devastated, devastated woman discovers plant she's been watering for two years is fake. I saw that. <laughs> Vape girl, nothing. This is not the onion. I already shared it. You did? I already know it. You, you got to stop getting Damn them off it. my news I didn't feed. get it from your feed. I found that. I, I laughed. I read it again. I laughed again. It was just too fucking fun. Devastated. It's relatable. <laughs> we all know what it's like to, to For love two someone. years. But that was at work, right? She was at work. I don't. I think if I read the article, she was at work and she oh, was yeah. doing. She didn't work. ever want anyone else to water it because right. she was doing such a good job. So you know that the guy or the girl who sat next to this person knew <laughs> that it was plastic for the whole time, and every day when Gladys would go and put the water on it, and it would just sit there. The other, it, 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 you can imagine the scenario from the office of exactly this happening. Did she really say she didn't want anyone else to water it? Because maybe so. that's why they did this to her. Maybe she was an asshole. <laughs> maybe. See, this is what I'm saying. We're all making up stories about this article because, A, we know that the article could have been just made up in the first place because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what we make stories about. And, B, it's more fun to think of the stories of what could have, would have happened rather than to read the article and get what limited, limited information is in there. And that's, I believe, because of television. Well, that's because there's real pain in that article. Nobody <laughs> wants that. Devastated. If you know the chorus, please do it. Why well, men great till they gotta be great? Woo! I just took a DNA test, turns out I'm a hundred percent that bitch Even when I'm crying crazy, yeah, I got boy problems, that's the human in me Bling, bling, then solve them, that's the goddess in me Could've had a bad bitch, not committal, help you with your career, just a little You're supposed to hold me down, but you're holding me back And that's the sound of me not calling you back My heart never breaks my heart That you thought you ever had it No, you ain't from the start I hear I'm glad you're back with you, bitch I mean, who would want to hide this? I will never, ever, 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 ever be a side chick I put the singing single I ain't worried about a ring on my finger You can tell your friend Shoot your shot when you see him It's okay, he already in my DMs Well, I'm in great till they gotta be great Don't text me, tell it straight to my face Best friend sent me down 
cut you out of my hair Fresh photos with the bomb lighting New man on the Minnesota Vikings Truth hurts, needed something more exciting Bomb, dumb, be, dumb, be, bomb, bomb, be Be back in a minute I don't play tag, bitch, I've been it We don't fuck with lies We don't do goodbyes We just keep it pushing like I, I, I I'ma hit you back in a minute I don't play tag, bitch, I've been it We don't fuck with lies We don't do goodbyes We just keep it pushing like I, I, I Why men great till they gotta be great Don't text me, tell it straight to my face Best friend sat me down in the salon chair Shampoo, breast, get you out of my hair Fresh photos with the bomb lighting New man on the Minnesota Vikings Truth hurts, needed something more exciting Bomb, bomb, be, don't be, bomb, bomb, be Barbara <laughs> I kind of, did you, I, did you know I was going to do this song? Because <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, Bob, how's your mother, Bob? That's cool. You are listening to, that was awesome. Thank You're you. You're listening to Art Star Radio, Art Star Scene Radio on Radio Free Brooklyn. Radio Free Brooklyn's Drive to Five fundraising campaign is underway. In May, RFB turns five years old, and we need to raise $25,000 so we can continue bringing you commercial-free independent radio for another five years. And we're only about 30% there, so we have a long way to go in just a couple of months. If you'd like to make a small monthly donation to help us reach our goal, the easiest way is to text RFB give five. That's the number five. RFB give five to four four three two one. And you can make a pledge right on your phone. We also have some great gifts for giving uh, available on our website, including a limited edition five year t shirt designed by former Clash manager Cosmo Vinyl. If you'd like to get one of these great premiums, you can make your donation at radiofreebrooklyn.org slash drive to five. That time it's spelled out. I-V-E. If you can't afford to give, you can still let us know how much you love us by calling our special voicemail at 718-673-8201. I hear that no one has called. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> and leave us a message letting us know why you love RFB or to wish us a happy birthday. If you consent, your message may be played on the air. Uh, what was that number again? That number is 718. You're going to call it? We'll see what right happens. now, 718-673-8201. Yeah, let's see what happens. I hope we find out that the number has been disconnected. <laughs> That's the real problem. Hello, and thanks for calling Radio Free Brooklyn's Drive to Five voicemail. After the tone, please leave us a short message telling us first who you are and where you're from. Then tell us what you love about our station, a particular show, or a specific Radio Free Brooklyn show host. Or you can just leave a message wishing us a happy fifth birthday. These recordings may be used on air, so by leaving a message, you are granting us consent to do so. That- do you want me to cut it? No, I was going to leave a message. Then what were you leaving it about? Because I didn't know if I left it in the mic or if I talked into that. Oh, damn it. We'll do it next week. Just do it, for fuck's sake. <laughs> You're leaning in. I'm like, are you telling me to cut it? I don't understand your fucking body language. There's oh my no God. body language in podcasting. That was all edging. That was all an unsolved mystery. Yeah. I yeah. Guess so. Decades later, we're going to solve it. On next week's episode, we'll leave that message or at the end of this one. 
Now, I saw today that we are number four out of all shows, including music shows this month, number three in talk shows. So there are people listening, like you, Calvin. Yes, Calvin. Thank Shout you. Shout out to Calvin. Shout out to Lily. She listens sometimes. Wow. You could have been doing all of this on the message machine. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, why don't you give us some money? So that we can like have some of it and help pay for this, you know, we we it costs us money to do this show, and that's so maybe you should give us some, help us out. It's tax deductible. You can give as little as a dollar a month. That's six bucks. Please, cheap, cheap fucks. <laughs> you could you could you could try please instead of antagonistically. Instead of cheap oh, cheap fucks. fucks. I, I I'm not saying either way will work. I'm just saying that it might might be nicer overall to sell to the world. Please. <laughs> Would you be nice and kind to us to give us some of the extra money you have as opposed to, hey, fucking cheap degenerates. <laughs> since, since you listen to this show, you clearly have money. So, you guys so, so why, are, why are you not giving it to the show? Jacking <laughs> off to the show half the time. Well, some, if some you actually monetized your show on Pornhub, then you could bring in some extra money. So you go to okay. RFB. Shut your mouth. Hold we need on, to be let's, talking yeah, we're going to talk about that in a minute. <laughs> but uh, for now, this it's RFB.NYC. slash S. That's RFB.NYC slash A S S. That used to be a dirty word. <laughs> so how do we make money on Pornhub on for Ass Radio? Oh, um, then uh, uh, you could actually just put a camera in the corner right over here, shoot it all down, and do this exact same thing, only keep talking about sex more often. I don't know how often you talk about sex on your show, but Lots. I assume, we I assume it's a lot. You can do it more. To. And then other than that, all you'd really have to do, really, is either have on guests who are naked or be naked yourself or both. That, that would be all you'd have to do. Guests. And, and then, you know, you could then just put the show on Pornhub as you being a model the same way other people are model. I'm, I'm a model on Pornhub so I can put the movies I've made on there. You know, uh, I'm not in them, but I, I've made some things. And uh, and so those are there so people can see them. Actually, one of my movies, you, know, you ever see The Line? Ever show you my five minute black and white artsy show, The Line? You must have seen it. I don't you, think so. No, I thought you were my friend. So, um, but that means that it's available for anyone to watch anytime on Pornhub or Xvideos or XNXX.com where inexplicably 340 40,000 people have seen it. Oh, wow. Where on Pornhub, it's 8,000. And on X videos, it's 16,000. On XNXXX, for some reason, it is enormously popular. What is it called? It's called The Line. L-I-N-E. And it's uh, it actually says in the title, I think, black and white artsy porn short or something like that. Um, but my name on these places is Porno Jim Show. And so you can search for Porno Jim Show on these places and you'll get the various videos I do. The other thing I do in my actual comedy show that I do, I actually have a segment called The Porn Taj, where I take a lot of the unusual and strange pieces of pornography that are out there, which maybe some people manu- actually manage to masturbate to, but most people probably just gawk at it and say, oh, the world is a weird place. So I take like eight minutes of those and I push them all together and I call it The Porn Taj. And I do a new one of these for every show. So I've done about 30 of these in, in the last 15 years. And uh, and some of them I put up on uh, X videos and, and other places like, uh, like Pornhub. And I, then you can watch them there. And those have also gotten 20,000, 30,000 people watching them. So those have been you know nice and stuff. But that's more of a kind of a, just a compilation of weird stuff that I think is somewhat thematic or fun or whatever. But I make them so that you can see them in a theater. I'm not sure the experience is exactly the same thing when you're watching them at home trying to masturbate. So. <laughs> 
Okay, let's get to it. Porno Jim Show. Oh, yes, the Porno Jim Show, which is the next answer to, next part of the answer to your mother's question. So, uh, after 2001 uh, had a lot of trauma and weirdness in it, I decided I should probably do something better with my life. And so I decided I would become a Porno Jim for real. I would use my ability to be smart about porn and my informational uh, grounding in the classics. And I would then be able to help others be more, because uh, porn was clearly becoming not a, a side thing, a, a dirty thing, a thing that everyone hid away under the mattress. It was becoming something that was in your pocket and everyone could have all the time. So I felt that the universe needed someone to advise them on how to deal with that. And since no one else was stepping up, I decided I would do that. And I did. I worked out very well. I got on, uh, I started at the, uh, where is it called? The Face Boys Open Mic, it was called. And I started there and Face Boy would get six or seven VHS tapes that I had queued up to the individual parts of the porn that I thought were necessary for my jokes to land and then i would hand them to you and most of the time not always but most of the time you would show them in the order i gave them to you and that allowed me <laughs> most of the time. most of the time so that meant when i did introduce the clip with a setup joke that the next moment was going to then be the punchline to it would not be something completely different so so that was a good moment when it worked but that we did that i believe four times you should limit it to four tapes no six, honestly six too many for me six tapes wow and how, wow. many, how about, it was, it was six minutes, VCRs? right? It was six minutes, right? Eight. It was eight minutes, right? So in eight minutes, I could do, the, each clip would be like 25, 30 seconds. And I, I feel would like if, if anybody had just like introduced you to like that second VCR, your life. No, was, I had two VCRs. That's how I got them queued up to the thing. But he only had one was, VCR to play. But how was it six? Oh, you mean, why didn't I make all of this? Was it six at once? No, yeah, I gave him six tapes at once. Like here, because, tonight, put these in. Yes, and they, I put number one, two, three, four, five, six on them so he would get it right. But that's not the point. The point was because of that. And I still didn't always get it right. Yeah, but, you should have just put it on one tape. All I could No, it was very difficult to do that without a huge loss in quality. All right. And the surf reality television setup was not high quality to start with. So, so I needed to keep all the fidelity and all the lines of resolution. Let me see if I understand this correctly. It's higher quality for the wrong clip to be cued because the image is better than... Well, than, no, uh, that, yeah. was, that was an unexpected result <laughs> of the system that we had. So what happened Face was... Face the system. I very... <laughs> But I then that was an unexpected result of Facebook. <laughs> we all quickly got DVD players. I started making DVDs on my iMac, and it started working out much better. See, Same. but that required that I you know learn Final Cut to do all kinds of things. It was necessary to get equipment that I didn't have at the beginning. But here's yeah. not the point. The point was technology advanced, and we all advanced with it. So I did this show, and I did not it, all of us. And I did it. <laughs> I did it three or four times. I think it was four times. I did it in your open mic, and I said, "Oh, this," because as you know, you don't get to go whenever you want. You get whenever you get picked out of the bucket. And so I was going on way too late sometimes for my girlfriend to be able to go to work the next day because it was on a Sunday. So we decided that well, that was not going to keep going out and I was making all this time it was not working out. So I decided instead to just write an hour. I would just take an hour of this. So I actually only performed like four times and then I was like, I'll just write an hour. And and Robert made it so so very affordable to rent the right. it was It was, it was ridiculously It was affordable. like $100 I yeah, had so up, like, like, which was so like, an unmanageable amount of human even money. If, even if no one showed up, you're not losing much. Right. But Porno Jim show did well. Yes, I sold out. All my friends came. It was my birthday show. It was great. And then since then, I did lots of other shows. It all did very well uh, because porn is very popular in America and I do my shows in America. So um, the uh, uh, fact was I started doing these shows and then I got picked up from Surf Reality to go to Collective Unconscious and they gave me 13 weeks, two shows a week. Which was and the, a collective unconscious. They these are real tech guys. They, so so you had a lot more to work with. Oh yeah, it was much more theatrical after that. Yeah, it was it was it was a stepping you know facilities in my ability. And I wasn't very good then. If you remember, there was a woman named Bex who was in my show. 
mm-hmm. and she was the female counterpart to me. And that may, I wasn't some, you know, weird white guy telling everybody what they should do. It was a woman saying he's not an asshole. She went on to work for, she went on to do, to be pretty well known. Uh, in the scene we were in, she was a big deal. She was much, much funnier than me. Wasn't she, didn't she go on to like report for VH1 or something like that? I'm not aware of that, but I'm not saying you're wrong. I don't know. Um, Bex Schwartz, right? That's correct, yeah. Do you want to look her up, Bex Schwartz? Yeah. Thank you. So, and I haven't talked to her since, well, about a year after we do the show for almost a year. And I was like, oh, we should start like going up a step in this whole thing. And she's like, well, yeah, it's been great and everything. But, you know, and, you know, and I hadn't been paying her really any money. I was doing like $25 a show. It was not, and I wasn't making any money, but it was, it was no, there's no money in it. And I was going to try and get on television, do a few other things and stuff. And I wanted to know if she wanted to go along. And she's like, nah, this really isn't a thing for me. And so I, you know, found other women to be in the show for a while. And then I did it myself. And, uh, and so in doing that, I established myself as this person who had opinions and I would do jokes about them. So that became the, reason why i was the professor of porn mm-hmm. and as the professor of porn i'm an expert a self-proclaimed expert right do you need ten thousand hours or something to get into something and believe you're an expert in it i have definitely more than ten thousand hours of masturbation under my belt <laughs> so it's actually a matter of where you want to decide as an expert and so i've decided that i'm as much of an expert as you know there is i don't have a degree in it i don't think that's a good use of one's time is to get a degree in pornography um but uh, uh it is something i think that is affecting all of us it affects our culture and us individually and i think that if we don't understand it then it's going to do bad things to us without us having any understanding of what we can do to alleviate those bad things. At the same time, it's a very good thing. It's really much, much better to have a society with pornography in it than not. It actually has given a lot of a cover to individual weirdness because people who have sexual uniqueness, which is everybody, used to feel that they were very bad, that there was something very wrong with them. But now, when you look at any pornography, uh, just like Pornhub as an example, it, literally any weirdness you have, good or bad, is available for you to see outside of the very illegal stuff, which is uh, children and animals. Those things, of course, are not uh, not something you want to get involved with. And so the uh, uh, idea that your weirdness, because uh, Facebook, you've been into, let's say, what I know about you, BDSM stuff has been within your world of, of sexual fun. And that is in the when you started in the 80s and 90s, that was not okay. That was a very underground, terrible, weird little underground thing. And now it's just part of sexuality for everybody who wants it or doesn't want it. It's just another thing you have to choose from. And that's because the normalization of pornography. Yeah, it took a lot of pornography. took a lot of really smart people, lawyers and shit like that to explain to the world safe, sane and consensual that, that the BDSM, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, there are people that, that are just straight out abusive. But mm-hmm. uh, if you follow certain rules and guidelines and use safe words and you know make sure that the person in the submissive role is really the one in control uh you know it's it's not it's not a bad thing um did you find anything about bex uh television actor virgo uh upright citizens brigade a to z rock band date night a to z upright citizens brigade and rock band i don't know rock band is is that the vh1 thing um, maybe. Rock Band 2007, right? Mm-hmm. That's not that long ago. Yeah, well, she's awesome. Yeah, she's awesome. And again, she's uh, she, she made the show possible and good for a long time when I was writing it, but I was not funny. And so I was learning to be funny while she was being funny next to me. So the show would have not existed if it wasn't for the funny person in the show, which was not me. Um, and I did the video stuff, so the porn was there, and obviously that's a big part of the draw. But I recently was watching a, 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 t- a videotape or, I guess, a film of that uh, show from way back in Collective, and it was two hours 
Hmm. We, we talked forever and ever. We went on and on. It was funny and people laughed, but it was really much more of a class. Mm-hmm. So in general, I've decided for my shows now to not do that. It's more going to be a more of a, of, a, of a fun theatrical experience, but not a class, right? Because instead of me being the professor of porn, I'm going to approach this as if I'm really what I really am, which is a porn evangelist. I'm here to proselytize for pornography. I think pornography, if it's done right and is used correctly, can actually be an amazingly healthy and worthwhile part of your sexual behavior. And now your sexuality can be understood by yourself. How can you really be very good at sex with other people if you don't understand how to have sex with yourself? If you don't understand how your own body responds to sexual stimuli, how are you going to know how to do stuff with other people? You know, and uh, so I think that's an important thing that masturbation teaches you and pornography uh, helps with masturbation. That's really its main job. Got less than 15 minutes left, so I want to make sure that people know where to see your show and how to get in touch with you, if you want people to get in touch with you, or how to... How to uh, sure. Well, um, uh, you can find me on Instagram. I'm PJSNYC, uh, Porno Gym, at, uh, on Instagram. And I'm on Twitter. Um, I've been on Twitter much longer. Uh, and that's uh, Porno Gym NYC. Someone else got Porno Gym all by itself before me. Um, yeah, who but, is that uh, guy? I, I, there's, there's other porno gyms in the world, you know. Freaking so. this other porno gym. They, they have they have fewer followers than me. But yeah, that's all right. Um, I, I have him. like 500 followers. I have no followers. Um, there is actually a famous, not famous, but there's a well-known uh, uh, um, uh, tattoo artist from yeah, Denver. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And the that's tattoo artist. Tattoos. His name is Porno Jim. He was Porno Jim before me. I didn't know he existed until after right. I did the thing. Okay. Um, so so he's. He's, you know, and I've never met him or anything. I have no tattoos, so we have nothing in common. Um, <laughs> but uh, but he, he obviously uh, has been porn gym for a long time. He watches porn. And he, I assume, watches porn. Or maybe he just does a lot of porn tattoos. I have no idea why he decided to call himself that, but I'm not in any way going to be upset that he has it, and I'm not going to, you know, get uh, litigious or anything. Because he'd win. I'm not going to do that. So. <laughs> but I promise I'm not going to bring my brand to the tattoo industry at any time. We're not going to be competitors at any time. When I first started doing my show, I, I think I even told you this at the time, I was a little worried that other people would steal my shtick, my idea of being a guy who talks in front of and around porn clips. <laughs> because The Daily Show did it with news clips and Tosh did it with internet clips. And, day. and I was like, oh, I did it with porn clips. I'm like, oh, that's so easy. Anybody could do that, right? And no one did because I was not very successful. But, uh, <laughs> but, but, but more importantly, as I did it more, I realized that no one else can do it. Uh, I'm, I'm just not... Uh, I, I the the negatives that you would expect of somebody who's named Porno Jim, I, I don't have right. I'm I'm not a misogynist. I'm not I'm not a sexist. I'm not I'm, I'm angry at women. I'm not playing out those kind of things. I'm not a dominant person who's trying to be in charge of a lot of stuff. And, and I don't take myself very seriously because I put porno in my name. You know, it's not it's, it's a very it's a very lighthearted kind of approach to it. And so in that way, I'm very pro pro sex, you know, sex positive. I want everybody to be happy and able to do stuff. And I speak for the uh, I think the slutty people in America. You know, people who actually are trying to have uh, fun sex lives and think that that's an important part of their life is to have good sex. And so I speak for them because I don't think that the media in general uh, speaks for them. It only speaks at them and is mad at them. Porno Jim, the live show is coming to St. Mark's Theater. Under St. Mark's Theater. Under St. Mark's we don't Theater. have a date yet. Oh, okay. Probably in April. It was going to be a little bit shifted, but it's going to be in April. But I'm, I'm writing the show now, so it'll be all set to uh, to happen in April. And uh, and at that point, of course, I'll let all the people who sign up on uh, either Instagram or Twitter uh, to do that. I'm also on Facebook uh, and places like that, if anybody knows who I am. And, uh, and then obviously you can uh, follow me on Pornhub and on Xvideos, and you can find all my new stuff that goes there. So I have a thing about uh, slut shaming because I think slut shaming is terrible and evil and stuff. And considering slutty is being something I think is very good because I think of myself as an ethical slut. But I want to ask you guys. So I think we need a new word to replace slut. 
I don't think reclaiming it worked. I tried a lot of uh, ways to do that, and I thought about it, but I talked to a lot of older women, women in their 50s and 60s, and they do not believe it's possible. It's too evil, and it's negative. It's a terrible word. So they don't think you can actually take it back like that. And the fact is the SL sound in the American language is very much a negative sound. Slither. Slap. That's what I'm saying. Slime. Slick. So all these things are, you know, not happy as compared to something else. We need a new word. So I asked some of my audience that have been going open mics around trying to find up new uh, material, and I worked on this new thing. So here's the new word. Minx. Minx instead of slut. You can be minxy. You're such a minx. Uh, go down and uh, do that thing, you minxy girl. Whatever it is, you can do that. And it applies to boys, too. You can be a minx. I can be a minx. Um, I'm, a, I'm a slut. Well, I no, like ho. No. I've been enjoying yeah, ho Yeah, I'm a lately. ho, too. See, but ho is just clearly negative. It's, it's adorable. It's, I'm not saying, well, <laughs> Why does Santa say it then? Why? <laughs> if it's so bad. Hmm? Is he just saying it for the naughty kids? We what? are not talking about you personally in your own sense. You can call yourself or have others call you whatever you want in your home. I'm talking about it. You know, but I mean, it, I'm like, oh, you pizza hoe. Well, okay. I, 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 the, <laughs> You're eating pizza like a pizza hoe. How come none of you degenerate hoes listening give us any money? Come on, you, you sponsor hoes. Where are you at? Friggin' sluts. You don't like Minks? Well, minx to me is like some form of a cougar. It's specific. It's too specific to just be slut. Or where are we? Where do we need to replace slut? I guess what? Where are we? When you're saying it? to somebody you're being excessively sexual, you say they're being slutty. Oh, I'm like, and if you know, you're so thirsty. That, thirsty is the newest <laughs> word for that, yeah. right? And thirsty is good, but I think thirsty is not going to last forever, and I think slut will. So I'm trying to replace the idea of slut. But if you can do it for a while with thirsty, that's very good. I think that might be a good 21st oh, yeah. century change. We'll see how that goes. But uh, You're such a Kool-Aid pitcher. <laughs> I don't know if that's something that Kendall Jenner is going to call her girlfriends. A thirst gonna, quencher. Yeah. You're a Kool-Aid man. A thirst quencher. Chased dry mouth. <laughs> so my new show is going to be about the history of porn at the beginnings. I talk about how porn got to where it is. And I'm going to talk about what's going on now. So we'll talk about racism and sexism and stuff in porn and stuff. And then it'll be about the future of porn. What do you think the future of porn is going to be? What do I think the future? I have no idea. You have no uh, idea. But I I, would I'm not say, talking technologically. I'm not talking VR or all that kind of stuff. I, I that would, doesn't matter. I'm I just would, saying, what would be the content change from what's now? I think that as we become more and more isolated, I think there's going to be much more masturbation porn. What do you mean by that? Well, I think that people are, are connecting less in real life and, and connecting more on their computers and on their phones and stuff like that. And, they're, 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 you, and I think that, that we're going to get to a point where like nobody sees anyone in real life anymore. And so it's all going to be jack-off porn. Well, the woman I'm dating lives in Atlanta. I've been dating her for a very long time. And she's, you know, uh, my girlfriend. And so we don't get to see each other very often because she lives far away. So we send each other masturbation videos of each other so that we can talk off to each other. So so there's that. But I don't think that's, we're not going to put that on the internet for you to see. That's that's a personal thing. Yeah. I think it's going to be like more personal. I think um, the the way that it works now, people can interact with a person on a cam. They can press a toy. Oh, yeah. They can press a button with somebody. Teledildonics. Yeah. So I think it's going to become... Very personal. And I don't know if it'll become like holographic because I know you were talking about technology, like, but I think it will become like first person to that point where maybe the people who are willing to spend the money for the weird thing, like put whipped cream in your butt and fart it out because I want a climax to that. Well, then it'll be available to, for free to the people on the That'll internet. That'll be a Snapchat fiddle. Yeah. yeah. But like, I think 
it'll be specifically catered to like the people who are willing to pay for whatever it is. It'll be exactly what they want. Well, that's what they have now with custom videos. You just get yeah. whoever you want to pay, do whatever you want in whatever you want. Yeah. For a certain it, amount of money. It, the future is going to be self-imposed matrix. We're all in these little pods with all this shit hooked up to us. And You're assuming that we're not already in the matrix, yeah. which is a very, very big assumption. I'm, not I'm only sure. real when I'm asleep. What? <laughs> I'm not sure whether the universe is real or not. I would like to see something where, I don't know, I I saw a porn recently and I was disturbed by it, which is rare. Because was it a story or what happened in it? I think I saw her hair on the, on the guy's, like it was hanging from the guy and they were like slapping her too much or they were hurting her too much, which it's weird because like I, I that's what I, I look for, but there was like a line and they had crossed it and I don't sure. know if they had crossed it or if something has changed and now that's n- no longer my line, I don't know. So I sent it to you. No, I didn't watch it. Okay. So it sounds about right. That was what I was into. <laughs> Is that European? <laughs> Things that you wouldn't watch. The European stuff I find to be a lot more violent when it gets violent. Um, you know, I Not never... Not it's violent in general, but the stuff that gets violent in America has limits because there's legal things. Well, in the stuff overseas, I find that just they found somebody who there wants to get beaten up and they beat up people. It probably was overseas. Yeah. Actually, I can tell you exactly what it was because I sent it to Facebook and he never looked at it. Um, no, and you might too even disturbing know. for you. I'm not. Oh. I'm not going to go yeah, there are there. things you don't want to put in your brain. I watch a lot of porn, like all the width and breadth of porn I've seen. And a lot of it is something I wish I hadn't had to see to be theoretically a porn expert. Um, but yeah, I don't recommend you watching images that you don't want to have in your head because they'll stay there. Oh, wait, hold on. Wait a minute. Is it no longer there anymore? That does happen. With we stuff received a request to have this video there deleted. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That was too much. Okay. Was I was that not was, That was non-consent. Wrong. That was not okay. No, she actually, yeah. it, there's more because I looked into it and it's actually Jesse Rogers. Oh, well, that's different. She's a, she's a professional. Or was, yeah. Was, that's old. That's not new. Um, yeah. So I, I just, I watched, I'm like, this is too much. And then I read the comments and I'm like, I need to know what the creep, like the, the people, the creeps think. I want to know what the creeps think like right now. Um, and they thought it was too much except for the actual creeps. The actual creeps were like not hard enough or like whatever. Um, God, you'll never know. You'll never know what the comment section said. But that's how I learned that she was trying to expose like the abuses of porn. So I do want to know what's going to happen with things like that. How that's yeah, going to so that, shift. Well, well the, that's how, the next like, thing. The Aurora legality Snow of how and- porn is consumed in America is going to change. And when that changes, depending on who's the next couple of presidents and all kinds of other things, is going to affect how free speech works in America. And it's going to be really the front lines of what they can think we are allowed or not allowed to say. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes, because if the Supreme Court has four more uh, uh, Trump people on it than now, which he will if he gets reelected, uh, I don't see how they'll possibly make pornography legal at all by the time we're you know retiring. And so they'll go back underground. It'll still always exist. It's existed since you know 1850. It's always going to exist, but it just would go back underground. And of course, because of the internet, the way it works, it could never be gone. It would always be on a mirror server somewhere for free for some place for some other country forever. It's just no way to not have it. It's just you could even even China has lots of pornography that they get all the time, and even that's just shut down as you possibly can. And then they keep meeting and catching more people in China who are doing pornography spreading, and then they of course you know put them in bad bad places. But uh, you know it's uh, it's just impossible to stop because the internet is like that. That's just that's just the fact of the internet. We're all gonna live in pods. I think, um, I don't know. So you're predicting a world where there's less access to it or less easy access to it? 
it depends on a lot of things. But if the right wing anti porn forces that are coalescing behind Trump get their way in his second term, then they will make it so that you can sing this as anything that's hardcore is, as far as they're concerned, obscene. Obscene is not covered by the First Amendment. And so that will then be a major thing. And how MindGeek and the other companies like that respond to that will matter. Now, MindGeek and these other companies are in Canada. They're not American companies. So they don't actually have anything you can do to them unless you then change the entirety of the Internet to have filtering on it, which it does not have right now. And you can't just do that easily. Wait, can't you? Because certain countries don't have access to certain websites. Right, but you can't stop all of the .com websites. And most of the porn is on .com websites. You can get rid of all the .XXX websites, but mm-hmm. you can't get rid of all the .coms. It's very hard to stop. And that's about all the time we have. Thank you, Vape Girl. Thank you, Facebook. Thank you, Porno Jim. Thank you, Facebook. Thank you, Face Girl. Thank you, listeners. I really do love you. I really do appreciate you. I think you guys are the best. I'm really glad to be back up in the top number four, number three in talk shows. That makes me happy. Coming up next on Radio Free Brooklyn, Get Rich Quick with Josh and Noel. We will be back here next week with uh, Steve Perozzi. It's Perozzi. Well, we'll be back here with, with Steve We'll be here live every Saturday at 7 p.m. Ba 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 ba.